gosh, I, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Yeah, that's the craziest part, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd probably conk him in the forehead. Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everybody. We are going mobile today. Aaron is on the other line, and this is the Q&A podcast part two, or part one for this week. Or, or yeah, part, that's confusing. It's part one. We haven't even done one yet. Part something. Something. Something's going on here. <laughs> we're, we're podcasting. That's all that matters. Aaron's, uh, where are you at? You're down in Texas right now? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the panhandle. I'm um, blasting mule deer, actually, for Scotty, just north of uh, Miami, Texas. Well, it's Miami, but everybody calls it Miami, so Miami, Texas. Uh, what do they call north, Miami, Florida? Probably Miami. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's, it's a cool, I really like it down here, obviously. It, um, uh, it's kind of... You know, whatever. Uh, everybody's friendly. Everybody waves and super chill. And um, you know, it's cool. The hunting's super cool. It's you know, um, not what you would you know maybe say. You know, a lot of people think I think probably the hill country <clears throat> in Texas or whatever, and it's a lot, lot different than that. But I think uh, you'll probably come down here either a little bit later for whitetail or for turkey. It's a, it's a really neat property that we have here. So. Yeah, we'll send it. Uh, sounds uh, sounds like you got a. I'm still sick. It's not the. <laughs> luckily, it's not the coronavirus. It's just uh, HIV. So you're all good. Yeah, I got rid of syphilis of the fat roll. Now I have HIV of the lungs. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, something's going around. I think a lot of people have colds right now. Anyway, but um, it could be the 57th variant of COVID. But back to the podcast. We're doing a Q and A podcast. We got a lot of questions last last time we were on and uh last time we went live so not as many people got to ask questions so aaron posted something on his instagram yesterday and he got a lot a lot of questions so we'll try to answer as many as possible um before aaron sees a deer that he wants to go after while he's glassing uh yeah i would say i'm gonna probably just do this for the most part on my own questions on my page um on my messages i can't uh, i'm not keeping up very well they're getting more and more so probably do these once every week or two and uh, make a post. It'll probably be on Kafaru Cast, my page, Frank's, whatever. <coughs> Excuse me, and then answer them on here. So, um, I mean, within reason anyways, uh, the amount of questions I get on my page, I'll, I'll look and I'll be, you know, 280 by noon and I'm like, oh, good God. Um, we can answer a lot of them here. So, um, but yeah, I've got it pulled up and I guess we'll just go down the list. Some of these are for you, some are for me, and some are probably for both of us. So. All right. Let's let's give her. All right. From uh, car underscore sun underscore weld, top three states to look at moving from Colorado to besides Wyoming since that's a given. I would say you'd want to look at California, Washington, and Oregon. <laughs> yeah. I think it just depends on what you're looking to do. But definitely look at those states. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Are you guys going to bring out a bow or gun holder for the striker XL that attaches to the bag rather than putting them between the bag and the frame? Um say for for me, I don't put it between the bag and the frame. I just use compression straps and strap it on the back. 
of the uh, the bag. Um, first coming out with a, you know, a, a bowl holder. Uh, you know, we've looked at it before. Um, I think, I don't know, I'll get your take in a minute, Frank, but I don't necessarily always see the need for a bowl holder because I just use compression straps to hold it on when I when I got to carry it. And, and they, they seem to work, you know, just fine. And a bowl holder just added weight and, and bulk. Um, but that, that's just me. I'm more of a compression strap guy. Yeah, I'm on the same page there. I think, uh, I mean, we can definitely do more videos on how to attach this type of stuff, but the simplest way that I've always found is same as you is uh, wrap a couple compression straps around the riser of your bow and um, it holds the bow in place just as well as something like a cradle would on a cam. I've always just tried to, to make sure to keep the cams above the bottom of the bag so if you do fall down, you don't smash your bow. And a lot of times, same goes for the rifle. So, And we do have... Uh, if you want to attach a, a gun cradle to Molly webbing, we do have the um, Nomad 2 gun cradle system, and that'll attach with three bar sliders to uh, Molly webbing, and it'll ha you'll have a gun cradle there. And then um, we even have a, a upper portion of the gun bear that'll attach to Molly webbing as well. So we have a lot of options, and we've done a few videos on it. We can always put out more videos, but I think we, we have some very simple options and don't necessarily need the, the cradle for the bow. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Frank, I'm coming through. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. All right. What aspect of the hunt do you, or did you find the most difficult to learn along with, or excuse me, along your journey thus far? Um, I, man, I, I would say the reality, um, a lot of people have trouble just hitting the fucking animal, even when they find it. So, uh, that wasn't really always a case for me, but I, I would say learning, you know, animal behavior and things like that are probably what most people overlook, don't pay attention to. Everybody works about maybe fitness or gear, but animal behavior. And then, like I said, just hitting the fucking thing. Like I, I was talking to Pellegrino about that and about, you know, basically saying it's not like I'm this great whitetailer. I've killed a bunch and I've killed some good ones. I just uh, do what I'm told and use common sense. Um, but I actually generally hit what I'm aiming at and, I think people would be surprised if, if everyone he told the truth, how many opportunities people actually have and just miss the fucking animal. Um, Frank? Yeah, I mean, from what I've noticed, just taking out uh, friends that are new to hunting, I think um, one thing most people have I've seen struggle with is just hesitation. Deciding on when to shoot and knowing when to shoot, um, I think they uh, that's something I've seen most everyone struggle with that's new to hunting is they kind of they kind of look they'll kind of look to you for approval before they shoot. So um, that just comes with experience. So I think you're exactly spot on when you say <clears throat> a lot of people focus on on uh, gear um, and they don't necessarily focus on time in the field. But just like anything, it requires repetition. So practice, get in the field. Don't worry so much about sitting in you know sitting in the office yeah. and thinking about gear the whole time. What is your favorite late season whitetail hunting strategy? Um, I'm going to defer to somebody that actually knows what they're doing hunting whitetail. Uh, let's see. Since you're moving to Wyoming and getting away from the liberal nation, will there be a slight price reduction since the ferries won't be able to take all the tax money from y'all? Um, no, there, there won't be a price reduction. In fact, um, everybody will be super lucky if there's not significantly more price increases, not just with us, with everyone. Um, there's uh, prices on 
everything are going up from, excuse me, I'm dying from webbing, buckles, material. Uh, it's insane. Velcro went up 23%. Um, so it, uh, the chance of like reducing prices are slim and, and none. And, and slim, uh, left town with this current political, uh, climate. So that's a no go. Let's see. Um, any, this is from Bill Brown. Any consideration for a turkey hunter's lumbar pack with foam seat attachment or a bird hunter's vest with game storage? Um, I have no idea. Let's see. I don't, I don't, that's something that we would actually need to get somebody that hunts birds to talk about. Um, I know Frank's a professional quail hunter. Maybe he can tell. <laughs> um, I'm more into the, uh, uh I, I don't know. We, we might, um, We've talked I about it, but we haven't you. we haven't really dove into that yet. Yeah, I'm gonna di- design some long distance running shoes at the same time. Um, I've never seen this is from American Kanuki. Uh, I've never seen a. Oh, this is funny. I've never seen a tump line option with modern hunting packs. Is it something Kafaro has or would consider any tax on these? Do you know what that is, Frank? What was it? Tump line. No. Uh, you know the Sherpas that have that thing that wrap around their head? Yeah. I think that's what that is. <laughs> that's going to be a hard no uh, on that one. Uh, the Danny uh, Barreto. Hi, Aaron. What advice do you have for getting settled into a new state and starting from ground zero on finding new hunting spots and learning land? I'm sure your employees at Coral International will be figuring out the same thing moving from Colorado to Wyoming. As I am from Oregon to moving I, uh, I, Oregon to Idaho, starting a new chapter in a way better state. But any advice on getting sorted? I mean, anyway, um, just get out in the woods and scout. Um, you know, obviously look at maps and all kinds of shit. Google Earth and, and base map and Onyx and Go Hunt has a map thing now. Um, I've always found it best, and we didn't have all that shit when I was younger. Um, that's all recent. Just get out in the woods, look for animals, look for spots to go fishing. Um, just, just get outside and then you get to test out gear and, you know, hone your skills anyway. Right. You got any magical pills? Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think you can really replace boots on the ground. E-scouting is, is really nice that that's an option now with Google earth and then all the, you know, like on X and base map and all that stuff. But, um, I've always thought getting boots on the ground and, and getting a, a lay of the land in person is best. And, one thing I was telling Dave the other day is a lot of the places I hunt now, I learned from um, just going out and exploring predator hunting or uh, going out hiking. So, you know, you don't always have to be looking for a certain animal. You can go and say, yeah, that looks good for coyotes and then go out and then you might find out you see a lot of deer out there or you know, different various game. But um, always just keep in mind, you know, when you're when you're out, what it could be good for and keep it. I always try to... Uh, to remember or at least mark on my GPS where there's water and what looks like a good spot to camp. And, um, you know, that's pretty much what's worked for me. Yeah. I mean, the internet kind of killed the hard work portion of a lot of stuff or in people's eyes. Maybe it hasn't. Um, well, like that goat Duplan killed, it may not have been that goat, but that area, uh, you know, Frank and I found that fishing. Um, we, and we spotted that goat, um, and again, it may not have been the goat Mike shot, but the general principal Mike went in and killed the goat um, in an area where Frank and I were, you know, fishing several miles in, and uh, 
just getting outside and being an outdoorsman goes a long, long way. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, all right. From Jeff, do you make a pack for whitetail hunting that packs your climbing stick platform uh, and platform for saddle hunting? If you do, you should advertise it loaded with the sticks and platforms to show how it packs everything together. Um, I get, I'm not confused, but, um, you know, I tree stand hunt a lot like right now and I've got a saddle system and hang ons and we got ladder stands and, um, you can take a shape chart for the Sherman pocket and, and you can easily fit all of that in there. Um, you could do it probably with the echo. Um, you know, there's guys that's this, this crazy, um, kind of craze. And I don't say that in a negative way with their saddle hunting deal where, you know, guys are going, you know, super, super light with, which I get. Um, but, uh, you know, you still got to get the animal out. And, and so the, the, you know, the idea is like, well, no, no, we don't have to carry it very far. And so then I'm like, oh, okay. But they're trying to get like, the, like, just like ultralight backpacking so to crazy extent, the lightest system possible. And, uh, most of our smaller packs will do what you're asking with, with, uh, you know, just a shape chart, um, and a Sherman pocket or, or one of the other packs with a Sherman pocket. But to say, do we make a saddle hunting backpack? Um, you know, to me, it's just, what is a saddle hunting backpack? I guess it would have, you know, specific options maybe for that, but, um, I have, um, three sticks and, a um, you know, tethered system, uh, a system from tethered that I just use my shape charge and Sherman pocket and it, it works, works just fine. Um, uh, let's see, Logan, uh, let's see, uh, do you guys know or have you heard from old timers if a current hunting bubble has been seen before? High numbers of applicants and hunters, uh, are they here to stay or just a fad? Um, not most, most old timers, um, probably don't give a shit and they wouldn't know because there wasn't social media. Um, you know, from what you read, numbers are down. Uh, but I think Western hunting is probably going you know, up and some of those numbers, maybe people are lying. I don't know, but, but no, I haven't ever talked to an old timer that was like, Hey, back in 77, uh, we had this same shit happen, uh, <laughs> where there were people all over in the back country. I don't, I don't think it's ever happened like this, but, uh, Frank, your dad, you hung with your dad a bunch. I mean, yeah, I mean, every story that my dad tells me is that you never used to, you never used to see people back in the day. And I, I think there's a combination of reasons. I don't think you used to have to go as far back, back in the day. I mean, you could, you could road hunt just as, as successfully as you could backcountry hunting back in the day. So there wasn't, I don't think there was a reason necessarily to go super deep in, in pursuit of game. So, um, yeah, I don't think there were nearly as many hunters back then as there are, there are now, but like Aaron's saying, they're from the reports that you hear hunting numbers are down. So, yeah, I, I don't think that we've seen anything like this in, in, in history. Oh, you broke up there at the end, Frank. Yeah, it's something with this mic, man. I don't know. But uh, yeah, what I was saying, though, is yeah, I don't think it's it's something we've seen in the past. I think Western hunting is up. Hunting, hunting numbers overall could be down, but Western hunting is up. And yeah, back in the day, I don't think they experienced as many, seeing as many people as, as you might see nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, I think there's a buck going to come out of this draw that you guys are looking at it. Um, the uh, next question from Hidden West. 
what is one of your biggest mistakes that you made early on in your hunting career that ultimately made you more successful as a hunter? Um, you know, being more, that's a very broad question. I would say being more patient, knowing when to, you know, push forward, knowing when to wait, you know, knowing when to draw. I mean, those are good ones. Also just learning the art of the sport, whether it be archery, meaning how to tune, there's a lot of guys go out in the woods that probably could kill animals that can't hit shit because their broadheads aren't tuned. Um, and there's other ends of the spectrum of that as well. But I would say uh, just being patient and being sneaky and, and making common sense choices. Um, a lot of guys, their brains take over and like panic when they see an animal and they make really bad choices. So I can't say I've been doing it long enough and killed so much shit at this point. I, it's hard for me to really remember exactly where, I started, um, when I say exactly, meaning I, I remember panicking and making bad decisions, and I still do that now, but I can't remember of a, a one key thing that, that made a big difference. All of it made a pretty big difference, but I say probably being patient is pretty pretty big that people have issues with. Yeah, I think you just, in general, in, in life, not necessarily even just hunting, you just you can't be afraid <clears throat> to fail. Um, in getting out there and getting experience, you should be able to learn every time you go out hunting. So, uh, specifically, I can't say specifically of any issues, um, that I've had, but just don't just get out there and don't be afraid to fail and, and learn from every hunt and, and gain that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with the recent CPW survey, how different do you think the hunting in Colorado will be next year? Zero. Go ahead, Frank. I'm going to say zero. <laughs> I, man, I, I hate, uh, I don't like to be a hater, but uh, I feel like decisions are made much higher than um, from the, the public input. I think the committees that they have make most of the choices. And uh, I think the survey may have been sent out to appease um, the public, but I don't think many changes will happen. I think that uh, if people actually listen to to, to hunters um, or some of the surveys or, or if they actually got down to business, uh, of, of doing what's best. One of the things that I think would have been a lot smarter would have been starting mule deer season a week earlier than, uh, elk for the high country mule deer hunters. Um, and that would have given a, a week, uh, for high country mule deer hunting and in prime time. Um, and then obviously move on to, to elk season. <clears throat> and there would have been an offset time to where there wouldn't have been as much you know, pressure. And a lot of it, uh, as I understand it was, uh, you know, people were wanting to get more into the rut with, uh, with archery, um, and, you know, pressure and things like that. Well, I think, you know, less pressure probably would have been, you know, would have been in, in into the elk season is, is if you would have started high country mule deer, uh, earlier, um, separated that. And, and then, you know, the season ended up getting shorter, shortened anyway for elk by a few days because of that decision of people complaining they wanted to get in, hear more elk bugling and be into the rut longer. Um, I don't think any of that shit even helps like that. We started a little bit later other than it screwed up mule deer season. Uh, it's not a matter of when the season starts as much as it is pressure. And since Colorado hands out, um, you know, over the counter tags, like $2 hookers, um, elk hunting in public land on OTC areas is never going to be 
you know, unbelievable, like a ranch or, or private land or a high draw unit, you can get into good, you know, people are going to listen to this. I had a great season. I'm proud of you. That's awesome. Overall, hunting is rough. And I think changing those season dates where it was a big mistake, um, you know, whatever happens this next year, if it changes, I would be hard pressed to believe it would be for the good. Um, unless it was knocking down the numbers of OTC, uh, tags, making a cap, things like that. Um, some of the things I read about muzzleloader archery, I don't know any good's going to come of that. Um, Frank, you anything to add? Uh, basically from the people I've spoken to about changes being made up about any policies is, uh, it, it's largely in the hands of, of, uh, larger outfitters and landowners. So us peasants don't have a yep. huge say in things, unfortunately, which, um, yeah, it is the way it is. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Any thoughts on making a tree saddle? Nope, I think people got that covered. Uh, is Kafaro going to invent the metaverse? Maybe some virtual hunting pack fitting, interactive questions and answers. The hunting industry will eventually be in the virtual space. We should have Colin on for that. Um, <laughs> I can barely keep up with YouTube and my own Q&A, so I don't know that I should be answering that question, right? Yeah, I don't know what the hell that metaverse is. I think it's another name for Facebook. It's just a little bit more uh, futuristic, I suppose. I don't know what to call it, but well, we'll remember that multiverse. What uh, the hell was that? Like uh, it was on a movie. Uh, the the multiverse is like multiple dimension um, universes. The multiverse. Yeah. It's like maybe you were wearing a pack in like 1860, 1960, <laughs> yeah. 2060. I should not answer this. Go ahead, sir. I have no clue. Yeah. I hope that's not where uh, hunting's headed. My question even I read that off. For base layers, what do you think are stronger and will last longer, merino wool or synthetic? Um, my experience is um, synthetic will last longer than uh, merino wool, but, um, you know, Frankie may have found something different. No, it always seems like the Merino stuff wears holes pretty quick. Let's see. Deodorant or no when hunting. I wear unscented deodorant when I'm hunting by the truck. I walk in with deodorant on on a backpack hunt, but it's just when I walk in, I don't pack it with me. Uh, so I wear unscented deodorant. Yeah, I don't really mess with deodorant on uh, backcountry stuff. Um, every once in a while, I'll use that unscented stuff like Aaron's talking about. It seems like it doesn't really go on that well. It kind of clumps up, so a lot of times I'll just opt not to use it. Gotcha. Um, let's see. Uh, what's a better boot with a very similar footbox as the Solomon Quest 4D that doesn't leak? Those boots fit me perfectly. They just leak. Um, man, it's been a long time since I've worn that. I would say that Zamberlin Boltoro would be one. Uh, and the uh, maybe the Tatra uh, light from Honvog um, would fit kind of like that. It might have a little bit tighter toe box. I like to bring this one for you. What's the best way to get somebody interested in hunting? 
Uh, man, I don't know. I, I've always, uh, like my friends from back home, we'd, we'd go shoot guns or something, you know, or go target practice for archery or stuff like that. And kind of it's bring them into, into hunting that way and show them, you know, it's, it's fun. And then you can go out and take them on easier hunts. I think something like uh, warm weather type stuff is a good introduction into hunting, whether it be small game stuff like dove hunting or big game stuff like, uh, antelope hunting or earlier season hunts i think you want to focus on having a good time or at least you know not not drop somebody straight into the suffering of a late season rifle hunt where it's where it's cold and stuff like that so i think just making it making it as enjoyable as possible is what's helped for me i would say watch um the avengers initially <laughs> tell them uh, everything's just like what Hawkeye does and hope for the best and then see if it, see if it floats <laughs> after that <laughs> you need some more ivermectin <laughs> I'm dying let's see um, what material is your are your shelters made of <laughs> I'm dying Frank can we answer that well on uh, our Kafaro YouTube page, Aaron did a video, I think like five years ago, um, going over the fabric of the shelters and also a comparison of fabrics from competitors. So uh, it is on there. I think it's called the 30D debate. Is that what, it, what it's called on Kafaro YouTube? Probably. It, it's a um, ultra high tenacity mil spec still nylon. So what's... I'm sorry, everyone. I'm dying. Um, <laughs> ultra high tenacity, mill spec. All this means is it uh, is more abrasion resistant. Um, they and, and at a molecular level, when it's built, the strands are longer. Um, you know, the mill spec portion, obviously, that that is kind of a fancy name for the military uses it. Um, but uh, it's it's just a, a stronger, more abrasion resistant, 30D steel nylon type material. Uh, back in the day when um, there was always these huge debates of a bunch of fatties and guys that didn't do shit of what, you know, still nylon is still nylon. And, 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 and quite honestly, Patrick probably didn't do the best job of, of explaining it. Um, ours is a proprietary material. Um, how much better is it than a 30D uh, standard still nylon? There's 400 different types. Well, that's an exaggeration. There's a tons of... You can go to Walmart and buy 30D still nylon. Frank, you and I got dry stacks there. They're ripped in like a week. Yeah. Um, and then there's 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 very um, higher there's a lot higher end 30D still nylon from overseas. There's American made 30D. But the bottom line, if you just check the abrasion resist resistance and tear resistance, uh, what we have is it just tests better. <laughs> also, a hell of a lot more expensive. So. Mm. let's see how do you carry or protect your extra arrows on a backpack hunt Frank I usually just take the uh, broadheads off put them in a case and then I I'll strap the extra arrows to the side of my bag with a compression strap and um, bunch them all together in a, in a rubber band so I don't really do anything too crazy yeah same 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 uh, let's see here which animal would you hunt for the rest of your life if you had to choose one? Keep it the same. You and your crew are awesome. 
Frank, what would you hunt? Well, if you could, uh, if coyotes, predators tasted good, then I would hunt coyotes. But if, since that's not the case, I'd, I'll go with mule deer. Gotcha. Yeah, it'd be mule deer or mountain goat for me. Um, let's see. Stocking tips for desert mule deer. Um, don't wear your socks because you'll get cactus in your feet. Uh, if you wear some kind of a stocking shoe, make sure you have a very beefy, like a carbon insole. Um, uh, sneak tech uh, can go over normal boots, which might be better, especially you know in really rugged terrain. But that's kind of a broad question. Uh, moving on, uh, Colorado Doug Stanton, would you consider making an insulated booty for those of us that get cold feet? Two, for insulation, have you ever considered alpaca fiber? That's not going to happen. Uh, I know the person with the largest alpaca herd in North America, and he's in Colorado. Um, <clears throat> I don't think you can use alpaca very um, cost-effectively for an insulation layer. You can make socks out of alpaca. Um, as far as the booties, Frank, we've talked about that for, what, three, four years now? Yeah, it's something we're looking at. There's a few... Uh details we need to figure out but we're looking at it we're getting closer all right trevor pomeray what is the difference between shooting and sound of wait a minute what is the difference between shooting and sound of the tack drivers and aae max del and aae trad vane so trad vane super soft so at high speeds it'll flop around could potentially fold over uh tack veins um Max stealths are a little bit stiffer. So, you know, stiffer vein, less chance of folding over, not quite as maybe forgiving. Um, but uh, a lot of that, I wouldn't shoot trad veins out of a compound, even though I do and have. Um, it's personal preference. Frank, how many different veins have you went through or tried in the last eight years? Oh, gosh, probably four or five. Um, I've ended up on the, uh, on the max stealth. And yeah, and I, but you, 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 you probably would have killed with any of them. Not a giant difference. Some are a little louder. Some may be easier to glue on. But um, I, I think that you just find, like Frank said, the Max Stealth. You find one you like. Um, you may have five people tell you you suck because you use it. The other five say you're a genius. Um, I, I just think with a Max Stealth compared to a Trad Vein. The trad vein is made to be flimsy and shoot out of a stick bow. So it's going to be louder, potentially, out of a compound flopping in the wind. Um, could fold over when it first comes out of the bow because of the, you know, that initial force. Um, so you're kind of comparing, a, you know, basically a, a moccasin to a, a mountaineering boot and a logging boot. There's a lot of difference. Yes. I'm not much of a tinkerer when it comes to archery, so... I'm a, if it's not broke, don't fix it type of guy. Yeah, I, I agree with Frank on that one. I wouldn't stress over it too much. Um, thoughts on TRT, which is testosterone replacement theory, uh, or testosterone replacement treatment, um, using testosterone pellets. I have no idea. Um, I've heard good and bad things about them, but I haven't messed with it. Frank, are you following along with these questions on your page? They're not loading an order on my page. So. Oh, gotcha. I hit most recent is why. Um, 
let's see, uh, what, how would you recommend to someone who has off the charts outdoor allergies and sports induced asthma to prep and chase elk? Uh, man, uh, I am not the guy to answer that. Uh, yeah, with moving on, um, See, besides one of the big selling points of being made in the U.S., what truly stands Kafaro apart from some of the other uh, big players? Um, so the the first thing is, and I'll I'll say, for it doesn't matter if it's Exo Stone Glacier Mystery Ranch um, uh, initial ascent. Um, anyway, we have multiple different uh, options for the curvature of your back for this stage. We have a a very curved option, a more of a flat option, and then an aluminum option, which can be um, customized. So that's one. Uh, the next one, we are all made in the U.S. with all mil-spec American-made material. None of the other competitors can say that unless something has changed. A lot of competitors put their American flag on the uh, their backpack, but they are not actually very compliant, meaning everything, needle, thread, all of that, you know, so that's obviously a, a big one. So not just made in the USA, but with all American made components. Um, but the stay options, the shoulder strap uh, options, uh, we offer more of those. We offer more belt options. Uh, we have more frame options. And we've honestly been doing it longer than anyone else, except Mystery Ranks. Uh, they're, they're neck and neck with us. Uh, when I say that, we uh, are able to use data that, that Patrick, and in the case of Mr. Ranch, um, uh, you know, they same thing. They have a lot of data to back up things they've proven or disproven long ago that people are trying now. So that saves us from a lot of testing of things. That, you know, carbon frame. Will a carbon frame work? Of course. Uh, will it break? Yes, that's been proven. Patrick had tested carbon frames uh, you know, in the 90s. Um, the other thing I would say, uh, even though I get shit for it, um, Frank and I test the packs more than any other backpack company by far, and we don't come out with anything early. So just the other day, uh, you know, for example, even though, and I don't understand this, you can drag a deer five miles, you can cut the deer up and put it in your pack, but if you strap it to it whole gutted, you're an idiot, whatever, (laughs) but we have tons of people doing that. And so, you know, Frank doesn't do it as often just because he's not in that situation. But, you know, how many other owners uh, or general managers of companies um, strap entire animals and hike out a half mile, two mile, or a mile uh, like some of our users do to see weak points? Uh, you know, Frank, you backpack in eight, 10 miles, um, you know, stay back there using our gear to, to design new or better gear. Uh, to test if, if anything's going wrong with anything that we're current, you know, if there's something that can be improved on, uh, you know, no other company does that to my knowledge, like we do. Um, you know, and if, if they do, I miss it, but I, I don't think they do. Uh, Frank, you got anything to add to that? Well, that's, yeah, that's something that Mr. G and me and Dave talked to, uh, talked about yesterday was, you know, there's very few companies that the owner and employees are so involved in the product testing and, and pushing the products to the limits. So yeah, there might be a lot of guys from other companies that use their gear, but we'll, we not only will test the product and we'll push it to the limit and find out where those failure points are. Cause uh, we were talking about Mr. G, like he 
he has some videos online of him hanging from a harness from his from his tripod and i was like well dude that's that's the exact same as aaron he strapped a, a whole body odd whole body mule deer to the frame just recently back when um a couple years ago we had one of the bigger guys from the shop i think he weighed probably 260 280 plus he was 320 he was a big and and uh you strapped him yeah. to the back of the bag so yes practically are you going to be doing this very often <clears throat> probably not uh, especially with such a huge load like 300 pounds but we do it to show you that we're testing the products and pushing it to the limit to find the weak points and we're not afraid to post those videos up and if something does break we'll, well we're not afraid to share that and and show what we're going to do to improve it so um that's you know, i'd say that's one thing that sets us apart and yeah i don't think we can emphasize enough the fact that we not only are made in the USA, but we use 100% made in the USA components. And that's a huge loophole that a lot of companies take advantage of. They'll say it's made in the USA. Well, they should say it's assembled in the USA. It's not 100% made in the USA like our stuff is. So um, yeah, that's something that, that is a bit annoying. And I, th I think it's something we, we probably bring up every two weeks because we'll have somebody ask, whether it be on Instagram or social media or through email. But um, yeah, we can't emphasize it enough. We are 100% made in the U.S. using 100% made in the U.S. components. So, Except our t-shirts and hats and sweaters. Those are not made in the U.S.A. I, mean, I got to mention that. If some fuckstick always brings it up, your hats aren't made. They're not made in the U.S.A., but our, our sleeping bags, jackets, backpacks, prints, all that stuff, all American-made, American components. Right. Printed apparel not made in the U.S. Yeah. Um, let's see. What are the top 10 skills you need to be a successful hunter for those that didn't grow up hunting? Um, I would say you, you want to be fit. Um, you want to have good field craft and woodsmanship. You want to know animal behavior. You want to know your weapon uh, and how to set it up. Uh, you want to have good common sense. Um, you want to be able to remain calm under pressure and, and be able to calculate and assess what's going on. Um, I can't even fucking come up with 10. There you go. There's six or seven, right? Yeah, nothing's going to replace time in the field. So just get out there and gain experience. Yep. Uh, down here in Texas, I have a. Oh, wait. Hold on. This is a guy asking me to go hunting. What fleet setup do you recommend for four season Colorado mule deer uh, pad and tent? Um, I, I would say for four season, that's when I kind of shift over. Um, to a heated shelter like a sawtooth. Um, you know, I use Hillebirds as well as Frank a lot. We'll use tarps earlier in the year. And, you know, for me, when it's just freezing ass cold all day, and uh, you know, it uh, you're just in pain the moment you wake up because it's you know single digits below freezing. That's when I go a heated shelter like a sawtooth and so um, unless it's like four foot deep of snow, and then I might I might grab a Hillebird. Um, Frank? Yeah, I completely agree. Anytime into uh, the later rifle seasons, I'm swapping over to a sawtooth with a stove with a zero degree sleeping bag and a, a pad with a high R value like uh, uh, the uh, Thermarest X-Therm pad. Um, if I'm road hunting, then I'll swap swap over to like an eight-man TB with a stove or even a, a wall tent. So um, yeah, I mean, it can definitely be done in a normal tent like a Hilleberg, but you're going to suffer just a little bit with the cold. Let's see. 
Uh, any plans to ever do some molly panels for back of the truck seats, and how do you get those uh, Kafaro stockings? Uh, I don't think we're making the stockings this year. We've looked at making the molly panels. Um, you know, we we got a lot going on. So um, let's see. I'm scared to ruin it. How do I trigger my first ever elk black strap? That's racist. It's back strap or tenderloin. This was so hard to get, and I got so lucky. I want. I don't want to ruin it. Uh, I want it to be perfect. Um, man, I just marinate mine and put some olive oil and seasoning in a Ziploc. Let the you know the back strap sit in there, and then I turn the trigger on to uh, you know three fifty and uh, three twenty five, and leave it on there for you know fifteen twenty minutes. Check it, and then eat it. Um, may have oversimplified that, but I also don't worry about it too much. Frankie might uh, be the next chef boy RD and do it a little bit different. <laughs> this is a sin, but um, I I use the Instapot all the time for cooking almost everything. So don't ask, don't ask me about cooking. Yeah. I mean, we cook down here, like in Van Horn, we cook on a, you know, a coal, you know, charcoal grill um, at home. I use that uh, Odo, uh, you know, whatever it's burning it. 3,500 degrees or something. We, we, we also have a green mountain grill or trigger, whatever. Um, you know, just don't overcook it. It's a big thing and season it correctly. Let's see, um, uh, uh, RD Redlinger, uh, Aaron, I know you have said you don't like social media and just want to live in the woods. I feel the same way yet. Here I am following you. My question is how much longer do you plan to play the Instagram game? And podcast game. Uh, by the way, Kafarocast is gold, uh, but nothing will last forever. Keep up the great work and content. It's appreciated and important. Um, well, I said, and actually, Frank was giving me shit the other day um, about uh, like I never get off social media. And there's probably some truth to that. I don't, you know, when I say I hate social media, um, I hate my life being consumed by, I say I hate. I appreciate all the followers we have, um, you know, and what I get to do. I'm not complaining, but you know, exit strategy is, you know, hopefully in the next four or five years of <laughs> not spending as much time on social media, just having a photography page, um, maybe just writing articles and doing some videos and, um, you know, backing a, a long ways away from, from social media. It also, you know, it helps me sleep. Um, as far as getting away from it, totally. Uh, I think that's pretty hard to do when you run a business. You know, I'm always going to have to be involved in it some, but I definitely, you know, at this point yesterday, Scotty was laughing, um, you know, we counted and, and yesterday throughout the course of the day, um, you know, I, I had 296 messages. Um, that's just too much. Um, and, you know, and some of them are guys I did just want to talk and say, hey, you know, uh, awesome job. I, and, and those are cool. I'm not complaining about that, but, I think hard work has kind of left the uh, the current um, I don't know era because of social media. Um, you know, when people ask about how using base map, but that never learned to use a map. Um, you know, when people ask about you know how do you tune a bow, but don't put any effort into tuning and learning how to tune the bow, they'll just call and, and ask a question. I learned the hard way. You're right. I didn't have social media. Frank, even though he did have social media, same thing. He asked me questions. Quit being fucking lazy and just figure it out on your own until you get so stumped 
that you're, 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 you know, you, you, you can't go any farther, but my, my advice and what I'm kind of leaning towards here is pretend you don't have social media and figure it the fuck out. And I'm going to pretend like I don't have some social media eventually helping people and just do articles and simplify things, just do videos. And again, I'm not saying this to be jaded, but it is consuming uh, my life. Um, and I, I need to slow that down. Frank, did I sound like a total dick answering this? No, I don't think so. I, I, I get irritated at people being lazy. And when I say lazy, <clears throat> hey, Aaron, uh, you know, uh, I have a 29-inch drone link. What arrow should I get? How the fuck would I know? I need to know what bow you have, what poundage you have, what point weight you want to shoot. The problem is, is they didn't do their due diligence figuring all that stuff out before they asked the question because they hit the easy button. And this is going to piss off a lot of people because a lot of people are going to say, should I ask them that question? I'm not saying that to be a dick. I'm saying that for you to be, make yourself a better person. You know how many fucking times Frank actually asks me a question? What, Frank, probably once every three months? Yeah, and I agree with you there. On learning the, when you learn the hard way, that's I think you retain the information more. Um, if, if someone answered every single question that you had like super simply, and and you didn't have to put any effort into it, I don't think you retain it as well. So uh, I've I definitely have learned the hard way on a lot of things, but I think I've retained a lot of information because of it. No, hundred percent. And I mean, the thing when people ask about camera gear, I don't want to be taking out of, taking out of context here. Hey man, how do I take a good photo? Did you read the manual? Do you understand f stop, ISO, shutter speed, uh, you know, white balance, whatever um, exposure value? No, no, I, I didn't read anything. I, I don't. I was just asking you. Well, fuck me running. Read the fucking manual. Right? I'm saying that for too much. Read the manual. Learn that, and then when you have a question that that. Once you've understood those and have a more in-depth question, maybe I had to cheat the system on a night shot or something like that. I get that. But if you didn't even, it's like, uh, you know, asking what the best boot is. and You don't know how to tie your shoes. Uh, you you got to learn the base yourself and, and then go from there. Um, I should shut up. I'm kind of like a pecker here. Well, I think that though, also I, what I always try to do at least is, is do some research on some stuff first and get an idea of, of what I can find online you know, there's a, a bazillion resources out there now with the internet. So you can look on YouTube or you can look on different forums for questions that have been asked before, before I go and ask somebody that might have more information. But, you know, I think we get a lot of questions on social media where they're like, Hey, it's something simple. And like, well, did you not to be rude, but did you check the website or did you check, check YouTube or did you actually look for this information or are you just hitting the easy button and asking? I don't know. Don't be, don't be an ask hole. Yeah. And, and, um, I think I'd add to that too. Like, <clears throat> again, not to be taken out of context. I'm not saying if you have a question of like, Hey man, out of these three puffy jackets, which one do you like best for mountain hunting? You can't afford, I mean, some people can, you can't afford all three. Those questions I get. Um, but when guys are like, well, I don't want to waste the money learning to tune my arrows. And I'm thinking, if you do your, your part, you're probably not going to screw your arrows up. You're going to learn a lot more from it. And I think, you know, we're, we're pretend the internet isn't around um, <clears throat> or pretend you can't ask questions on the internet. Read, read, read. And guys will say, man, I'm getting conflicting. Um, I'm getting con conflicting uh, 
um, you know, answers on whatever. There's not going to be too much conflicting on tuning. You cut the arrow shorter, it makes it stiffer. You add point weight, it makes it weaker, things like that. And you can tune your arrow, and, and everybody agrees on those things uh, to a very high level without getting conflicting, um, you know, answers. So, um, Alex just called. Let's see here. Um, for a backpack mule deer hunt, would you rather have the Cowboy seventy seven or Swarovski? 65. Any of those, either of those are great. I don't use Cowboy stuff very much, but it's really good. Um, I personally would, um, you know, I'm a big Swarovski fan and Swarovski like and dice. Um, but I, the cow is totally fine. Uh, I, I would go probably if you're not in very good shape, go with the lighter weight one. I'm looking for a pack for my wife that would be for day hikes and camera gear, DXLR with a few lenses. Um, I would say that the shape charge or the checkpoint would be, uh, that's what I'm using now. I've got my camera gear and the checkpoint and my hunting stuff with one camera and the shape charge. Frank? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with any of the smaller packs that have that clamshell opening are, are kind of nice. So you can lay the bag down and open it up and grab what you need for camera gear. Uh, who do you recommend and for what main usage do you recommend in Nargali? Uh, does it compare to the hoodlum when you add belt pouches and a guide lid? And can you show packing a bow onto, onto, onto bags? That's kind of weird. Um, the rifle video was a big help in figuring some things out for sure. Um, you know, the Nargali is just a little bit more simpler, a little bit lighter weight. Mm. You can tell from the photos and the options, um, you know, the differences as far as that goes. I'd say the hoodlum's a little bit more versatile. The Nardali's a little bit lighter weight. I'd have zero issue taking either of those uh, on any Western hunt. I wouldn't have any issue, you know, backpacking in. Uh, It's more of a personal preference. As far as strapping the bow to it, just put your, lay it down on the shoulder straps, put your bow on top of the pack, and wrap the compression straps around it. It's that simple. Tighten it up. That, that, that's how we, we strap them on. Uh, I guess we're going to need to do a video on that one. Frank, you got anything to add? Yeah, we'll definitely do a video. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, what I usually tell people when they ask for bag suggestions, and I'll answer any questions you have, but uh, once you figure out the size of bag that you want, and it really comes down to you as, as the individual to figure out what configuration you'll like the best. But, I mean, same thing like you're saying, Nargali is a more simplistic, lightweight bag. Hoodlum would be something with a lot more features, um, sewn in pockets, zipper access, stuff like that. So it, it really does truly come down to the person when it, when you pick the bag that you want. Yeah. Um, where all in Wyoming did you look at relocating? Any reason in particular that drew you to Riverton? Um, we looked at Sheridan, uh, Cody, um, Cheyenne. Uh, one of the reasons we liked um, Riverton is, um, and we we were told by people don't move to to Riverton, but we talked about the people in the community. They obviously said different. Uh, my business partner has businesses already in Riverton. Um, the land and everything was cheaper. We found a building, uh, you know, that was uh, quadruple the size or triple the size of the one we have now, uh, with options to even build on to that. Um, and you know, looking at moving, you know, 
people could uh, afford uh, to move into the Riverton Lander area and outskirts. Um, Cody was way too windy and cold. Sheridan was really nice, but extremely expensive. Um, I talked to the guys at Weatherby. Um, I think they sucked all the money out of the state of Wyoming uh, for, for help. Uh, I'm just kidding. They had a really good deal with the state of Wyoming for that. Um, so, yeah, just we could afford it. Uh, people could afford to live there and around there. And the hunting and fishing in the Wind Rivers is really good. Um, those were, were my reasons. What is the difference in shooting teal and arrow flight with something like a Black Widow versus an ILF? I'm not going to answer that. Let's see. Uh, do traditional bows require a special arrow? That no, you can shoot whatever you want out of a traditional bow. Uh, black one, wood one, white one doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, whatever tunes. What does a taco always taste better when it's made by someone else? <laughs> Are you guys planning on getting a resident guide life? Uh, no, I'm not planning on that. What advice would you give to the guy with a young family who's battling making time for the kids and wife, working out, shooting his bow, and getting time to go hunting? Uh, man, it's going to sound harsh, but you kind of chose that life, so suck it up, try to be the best parent you can. And when you can fit hunting in, uh, you know, fit it in. Um, you, you know, people bring that up to me all the time. And you, you literally at a pretty young age need to, to decide, you know, you may not want a family or you need to have a really understanding wife. You don't want to get a lot of bills. Um, but you know, Frank, you're a good example of this as well. Uh, you got a cool girlfriend. She doesn't mind you hunting. You don't have a ton of bills. You don't have a lot of overhead. Um, and so even if you didn't work at Kafaro, you would have a pretty good amount of time off. Um, but if Frank had a thousand dollar a month truck payment and a really nice place to live, um, and he could never take off time from work, uh, he had a high stress job to afford all those bills. He has set himself up to work the rest of his life where Frank tried to set himself up to play a lot. Um, uh, Frank, I don't want to speak for you, but from the outside looking in, even before I met you, I had plenty of time off. Yeah, you just got to prioritize what's important to you. I don't have a, I don't have kids or anything like that, but I think if I was married and had kids, I would at least try to get the family involved in stuff that you like. So, you know, for instance, now my girlfriend, she doesn't hunt. She does like eating the meat and stuff like that. So she doesn't have any problems with hunting. She, she, she recently got a, a bow, so she enjoys shooting targets and that just, we can go and shoot together and, and practice together. So that's something where you can get get something get the other half involved basically and, and try to combine those those types of things. So Yeah, I drug my kid everywhere with me. So um, you know, for me, because I was, you know, single single dad, I just took her. You know, I, I did I get to go on as crazy as extreme hunts as I would have if I didn't bring her? You know, of, of course not, but I got to be with my kid. She got to, you know, experience the outdoors, um, you know, and it made it fun. Um, I mean, it wasn't always fun, uh, but, you know, it was, for the most part it was. And, uh, you know, you, you, the kid, I think, becomes a better kid. Uh, you become a better parent. Um, you know, you may not get to hunt as much, but they eventually, hopefully, turn 18 and move out of the house and you've raised a good kid and then you can go hunt your ass off. Let's see. Joel Parker. Where's the line drawn when helping someone get into hunting? People tend 
to seek the easy route and the hard route is half of the fun. How do you balance helping people and telling them that they just need to go fail? Best lessons. Uh, we talked about this earlier. I'm not very good at drawing that line, but anybody listening in, Frank and I already covered it. The best way to learn is to fail. Um, you know, whether it be a failed stock, whether it be a, you know, uh, a failed system that you think is going to kick ass as a shelter system out in the, the field. Um, one of the reasons I'm so steadfast in some of my positions on gear is I've, I have tested so much and had it fail that um, I'm very confident in the fact when I give advice, if someone's arguing with me, of, oh, no, I use this, it's fine. Well, fucking rub some punk on it, but I'm just telling you from my experience, um, you're probably hammocks. Will a hammock work? In good conditions, a hammock will work great. But uh, camp above tree line with 40-mile winds in a hammock doesn't work, right? So, you know, those are things I, you know, all around shelter, a hammock is not it because you can't put the fucker up above tree line very easy. Then guys are like, well, you can use rocks. Well, then go use rocks, dude. I'm just giving you my advice. But I guarantee the first time you try to hunt above tree line or at tree line in very adverse conditions, you're probably never going to use a hammock again. Now, if you're going to hunt in trees the rest of your life, by all means, use a hammock. Things like that, boots, ones that leak. I've used Solomon's my whole life. They've never leaked. All right, great. I'm just telling you every Solomon I've used leaks like a sieve. Um, but I still use Solomon's shoes all the time. Things like that, Frank. I mean, you you pretty you you don't you don't switch very often once things work, and I'd imagine it's because you don't want to keep trying shit that fails. Yeah, I, like I said earlier, I'm just you know if it's not broke, don't fix it. Is kind of my philosophy on things, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share advice. But I always think it's funny when you when you do share advice and people want to argue with you. I'm just we're just telling you what our opinion is, so you can argue with it all you want, but uh, it's not going to sway us, you know, either way. <laughs> How do you prepare for a unit you have never hunted before leading up to the hunt? It's a good example. Um, I get it. You're asking a question. I'm not mad about it. I'm not giving you shit. But before social media, um, you know, when I would prepare for a unit, I would go to the unit and scout. Guys were like, well, I don't have time to scout. You set your life up. If you don't have time to scout, I get that. South Cox never scouts and kills shit. You know, look at maps. Anybody can look at a map in their office or their home, look and see like, you know, what you think, where the animals will, will, will be holding up, traveling through guys are like, well, I don't know that I've never done it. That's part of learning. Right. And you're going to learn more by failing and learning it that way than someone handing it you know, to you. So that's a good example. Um, one time travel path there and back, where would you go and why? Go ahead, Frank. Like time travel? Mm-hmm. I'd go back in time and kill Hitler. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, is, it, uh, is this about hunting? <laughs> just mm-hmm. in general. I'd probably, I'd go back and live with the frontiersmen for a while and see how that was. And about the time, uh, you know, maybe a, a Native American was about to kill me, uh, I'd bounce back and say, wow, that sucked. Um, man, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. You'd, I wasn't really prepared for you'd that. You'd go back to your, uh, go back in time to to the white folks, and then I'd go back in time with the Native Americans, and then we'd meet up. <laughs> we'd, we'd be buddies. 
Just kidding. I always wondered what yeah, it, I had a, <laughs> you'd probably try to no, kill no. me. Um, I always wonder what hunting would have been like just even, I don't know, 50 years ago, uh, how good it was, you know, big, big meal. Yeah, deer, big I, I often pull into a valley that has houses and shit and think, my God, what did this look like 150 years ago? You know, and things like that. Yes. Oh, sorry, I kind of interrupted you, Frank. No, that's all I had. Okay, let's see. Um, if I had a question for you, what is your favorite place to go backpacking, not hunting, just vacation? Uh, I love the Olymp. Oh, okay. So he likes the Olympics, um, and he also likes Glacier Peak. The Olympics and the Glacier Peak are, are pretty amazing. Anything on the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, a lot of the stuff I, I hiked as a kid in Oregon is amazing. Um, Oregon and Washington are, are actually, in my opinion, a lot prettier in, in a lot of ways than, than Colorado. Um, uh, Germany, I was in the Austrian Alps uh, right on the border. That's a place that I would definitely want to go backpack again. Um, we backpacked through the Austrian Alps to uh, Hitler's the Eagle's Nest, the Hitler's hideout. Um, that was amazing, amazing country. Um, but yeah, Glacier Peak and the, the Olympics um, are, are definitely beautiful. I didn't really answer your question, but um, let's see. Would Kafaro ever consider doing limited edition runs of your previous packs, like the Zulu Express or Marauder? I'm going to leave that question up to my right hand man, the general manager of Kafaro International, Frank. I will be diplomatic and say that nothing is ever out of the question, but. A lot of these old tactical packs were very expensive to make and very difficult, very difficult to make. They were awesome. They were bomb-proof. They, they still are, uh, but very difficult to make. So I, I'll say it's not out of the question, but it's, uh, it might be a bit of a stretch to do something like that. I think that uh, one of the way things that I look at or that I've responded to people this in private messages uh, let's say a 70-something Ford Bronco, right? Those things are worth a ton of money. They're amazing. Um, and Ford is making a version of that now. Um, the thing, when, and I don't think people understand how making a pack works, um, if we were going to do the Zulu again, <clears throat> it would have to go into production. We would have to cut the patterns. We'd have to get the material, all that stuff. We would have to <clears throat> take time away from uh, what we're currently selling that's selling very well in hopes to sell a pack that didn't sell that well for three to four years, which is why we killed it. So if we made 50, that would be stopping production from a small company <clears throat> that um, of other packs that are high demand to make 50. If we have enough sewers and things like that, sometimes we might look at doing that. Um, they're also very expensive. So the idea of more than 50 people wanting those is um, not been the best for us. Sometimes, you know, some of our tail gunner packs like that, we've sold, you know, pretty well. We've grown, but I think the amount of people that would want a Zulu over one of our current model packs is probably a lot smaller, uh, and we would be taking away from making our current model pack. Let's see. Let's see. How much quieter are the wool moccasins versus the leather? Significant. Um, a lot quieter. How do you get the smell of elk out of a 22 mag? I don't know about a 22 mag, but I know how to get the smell of elk out of a hoodlum, which I think is the same. 
And also, since I know you, you go live in, oh, what? Oh, I used to live in Oregon. Do I have any black tail deer tips? I don't have black tail deer tips. Um, I would just hose my pack off in a, in a pressure washer, put it in a, um, a bathtub with some baking soda. Five hunting seasons and countless trips. My pack still looks brand new. Thanks, Aaron, for putting the time and miles to catch your gear. It shows tenfold. Thank everybody at Kafaru, but we appreciate it. Any details on the new house you are building you'd like to? Mm, nope, not sharing any details on my house. You think there will come a point to where Kafaru will have to use overseas products or services for packs? I hope this never happens, but if companies get bigger, the more bottom line comes into play. I really appreciate all the info and quality products. Um, I don't think the path will. I would say if we anything goes overseas, and this would be more out of necessity, would be shelters. Um, <laughs> we have looked really hard in the last three years of building you know, standard dual wall shelters as well as different material and lighter weight material for shelters. Um, that may be something that we end up having to do. Um, and it would be, um, you know, it would be a decision that it's a better product, um, overall in comparison to making it in the U S or as good of a product, or we can't get the material here, things like that. So I would say packs is probably not going to happen. I don't think soft goods would probably ever happen. Um, like puppy jackets, but I think shelters, it's about impossible to make them here. I have seen some of our competitors put an American flag on the, their shelters. Um, but, um, I, I don't know that those are actually made in the U S totally. Uh, Frank, would you agree with what I was saying? Yeah. A lot of loopholes there. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, on the shelter portion, I'd say that's probably about the only thing we may entertain having to outsource some of that potentially not our standard line that we already offer, but above and beyond that. Yeah. Some things just can't be made here. Um, since you have been doing some whitetail hunting, what clothing are you wearing to stay warm that doesn't interfere with shooting the stick bow? Uh, I'm looking for recommendations on a good lightweight windproof layer. Uh, lightweight and windproof and quiet don't really all go together. Um, there's a lot of stuff from the Sitka line that, that's windproof. With fleece, uh, it's not really lightweight. Um, the Sitka Mountain Jacket's lightweight. Um, it's kind of quiet. Um, but, you know, lightweight, um, you know, a whitetail hunting system that's this warm, lightweight, blocks wind is pretty pretty hard to find. Um, and there's probably better people to answer that than me. Um, are you a clone? Because how do you do everything podcast, hunt, guide, and run business developing new um, pro progress and, and all. Um, nope, I'm not a clone. I just don't sleep. And Frank carries my ass at Kafaru, along with McKenzie and David and Colin and the whole crew. Um, what insert outsert would you recommend for point six six ID arrows, primarily elk striker X or iron will? What's what? Uh, what uh, I'll answer that. So there, let's see. Um, have you guys looked through the Maven B1.2 at all? What would you recommend in that price range currently? 1K to 1500 bucks. Thanks for the great podcast. Um, Maven, Miata, Sig, 
Uh, those are all good options in that price point. Um, I'm wondering with everything you test, what are the best binocular harness on the market? Uh, there's not really a best binocular harness. Um, you know, Frank might disagree, but if you look at, um, you know, top to bottom, uh, I'm wearing a Sitka right now. There's a lot of things I like about the Sitka. Um, it's probably the quietest or one of the quietest. The uh, rangefinder pouch is too big. Um, I like that Rhodesian chest rig type X harness. It's very lightweight, very simple. Um, you know, it's a little bit bulky. Uh, you look at marsupial gear, they make a couple different options. Um, you know, the magnet uh, kind of throws off the compass, can be a little bit loud. Um, when you do the system that I designed uh, with Jim, uh, the magnet's not an issue. Um, but again, the, the, the harness is kind of loud because the material, uh, American made, TNK. That's the only one that's actually all made in America with American components. Um, you know, on an ADAC, ADAC system's pretty good. doesn't fit as many binoculars, and it's loud. So I don't think there's a best. I think it's the best for you and what you're doing. Um, but to say that one of them is better than the other, I, I would say you're out of your mind because you're going to have 12 guys. Six are going to like one. Three will like another. Three will like another. There's, there's not a best unless you found one, Frank. Yeah, I like, I've liked the, uh, in the last few years, I've liked the ADAC and the marsupial. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. They're all, they're all loud in their own way and, um, some harnesses are better than others. So they all have good and bad features. Um, let's see, uh, have you guys considered offering gators or a protective compound both? Like I actually answered this, I put, um, like the one, like what TNK hunting gear already offers. Um, we may make a bino harness at some point. That would be a direct competitor of obviously TNK marsupial. Some of our friends, you know, gators. Gator market's pretty damn good. I don't, uh, I don't know that we can prove upon that. Um, you know, will we make a bowsling ever? If Frank thinks we can design one in Bender, I'm all for looking at it, but. Um, the ones on the market right now that I've looked at, um, there's ones that really suck and there's ones that really good. The last thing I want to do is, is make a blatant copy of what T&K or somebody else is offering. Frank, anything to add to that? No, I think you got it. Uh, when gearing up for a season, do you go on weighted hikes? Whenever I go on a hike or walk, I load my pack up with a ton of useful but mostly unnecessary things just to get more out of my hike, uh, most people think I'm nuts. Um, we do a ton of backpack cardio. I, I um, when I go hiking, I, I, I don't load up my pack, meaning like I'm hiking to a lake because I got a bunch of gear in there. I get dropped off at the bottom of my mountain, hike up, Frank says Green Mountain. We used to both do Green Mountain and the Tower Trail. We hike on the weekends and backpack fish. But yeah, you should have some, you know, weight in your pack. I don't think you should go above maybe 50, 55 pounds. Um, but yeah, you want to get used to having weight in your pack. So, you know, however you do that, I think it's a good idea. Um, what are the best add-ons for a shape charge pack? For me, it's a large belt pouch and a Sherman pocket. Uh, what percentage of your packs are consumer versus military? Would it break 60, 40, 70, 30? Frank would know that better than me. Yeah, I'd say about, it's about 70, 30. Consumer to yeah. military. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't really talk numbers as far as how many millions a year we're doing, but, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, whatever, like Frank said, 70, 30. Um, 
All right, Frank, we have been on here for an hour and 15. Do we want to um, cut this off and we'll do part two later? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. We can do that later this week or whatever, and you can go full send on some whitetails. Um, yeah, we got a long ways to go. Um, this might be a three-part. Uh, let's see. Here's one. Frank, you can finish this up. Um, what pack would you recommend for predator calling? Currently on a scout, but I'm looking for something with a little more volume and modularity. Been eyeballing the door gunner, shape charge, or echo. Thank you for your time. That is a Frank question. I use the uh, shape charge a ton with a Sherman pocket and just like Aaron said with a, a belt pouch on it. Um, that's that's a pretty solid pack that gives you enough room for an extra layer if you need it. Uh, e collar if you if you use one. Um, you can toss all your calls in the in the belt pouches. Strap your rifle to the pack with the Sherman. So that works really well. The Echo would be another good option. Um, just a little bit more streamlined, a little less, a little bit, just a smidge less room. So um, I think both those both of those packs would cover it pretty well. Gotcha. All right. Um, well, I think that's. Uh enough questions for today i'm gonna go uh, back down the hill check the game cameras get whitetail fit um uh, but like i said i think we'll start doing these more you know once every couple weeks once a month um handling the questions people have on, on there more than my um my, my messages my messages my inbox that i just i'm not keeping up so hopefully everyone is okay with that and frank and i really encourage you to actually learn um by doing, not by, by reading. Uh, I'd also like to add this podcast is brought to you by Screwball, uh, Copenhagen, and for Frank, School Wintergreen. And big ass titties. Yep. All right, cool. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. See ya.